My name is Anthony Desiato. For over 10 years, I shopped, worked, and hung out at a comic book store in Westchester, New York called Alternate Realities. It was the best after-school job a kid who loved comics could possibly ask for. More than a job, it was a clubhouse, a second home. Alternate Realities closed in 2015, but even though my comic shop is history, there's a whole world of stores out there. This season, on My Comic Shop History, I am bringing those stores, the business, the culture, and the fandom, to you as I speak to retailers around the country. It's all leading to a new documentary film called My Comic Shop Country. The Kickstarter campaign launches in September. Be part of the journey. Welcome to My Comic Shop History. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. This week, my journey to comic book stores across America brings me to Philadelphia. I am here at Amalgam Comics and Coffee House with the store's owner and uh, head nerd in charge, Ariel Johnson. Ariel, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. I've been enjoying uh, my cup of iced coffee here. It's delicious. Oh, awesome. Happy to hear it. <laughs> I feel like you and your store, you occupy a unique space within the comics retail community. Uh, for a number of reasons, but what I kind of want to start with is the sheer amount of media attention and exposure that you've received, which I do feel is distinct. Not a lot of comic book stores are in that situation. And I'm yeah. curious for you, I mean, you know, just so listeners have an idea in case they aren't already familiar with, with you and your store, you know, you've been featured in the traditional uh, comic news outlets, but you've also received significant uh, mainstream media attention, uh, ABC News, NPR, MSNBC, CNN Money. Uh, you were on the, uh, one of the variant covers to, uh, to an Iron Man comic a little while back. And so, you know, as I was doing my prep for today, uh, and I have to tell you, uh, I had to do more prep for this than pretty much any other episode because there was so much for me to get through. But it was terrific to really get to learn more about you before coming here. But I suppose my first question is, you know, how, how do you feel about all of this attention and how do you navigate it? I mean, is it, do you get tired of answering the same questions or is it outweighed by everything that you've been able to do for your store as a result of the attention? Um... I think, uh, well, both both of those parts are true. It's, you know, uh, opening Amalgam is a dream that I've had since college. So, you know, for me personally, I very much um, just wanted to get the store open. Uh, and so I had my own ideas about, you know, what that would look like. Um, I definitely thought I'd have more time in the store uh, than, I, than I end up actually having. You know, so in my, in my mind, I was like, oh, man, you know, I'll... Uh, be reading comics in between customers I'll be baking cupcakes I'll be doing you know I'm doing all this stuff like in the store and now because of the media attention my um, role and duties look a little different than I thought you know not not a bad thing but just different than my expectation yeah so there's there's that and then there's you know because of the the media attention I'm actually very much an introvert um, so the fact that we get so much attention means I have to talk more than I actually want to. <laughs> so I'm, I'm because of that, I am trying to find a balance because usually after like interviews or events, I I'm, have to go take a nap because it's really just draining to me. For those who don't know, introvert doesn't mean necessarily you're anti-social. I'm not anti-social, but being in social situations it, it is draining to me. So I need time by myself to like recharge. Um, so 
trying to find that time so that I'm not completely, completely burnt out, you know, so in, in my ideal world, I, I wouldn't have to talk so much, but, uh, but I understand, um, why people, uh, I guess why my story is compelling and why people want to talk to me and, and, you know, and that's, that's fine. And I also, you know, I do appreciate, uh, what all of the media coverage has allowed me to do for the store. Um, just kind of, um, you know, keeping us afloat and, and kind of keeping us in the public eye. And, um, you know, uh, we were just awarded a, a Knight Foundation grant, which we're really excited about. And, you know, I think, you know, in judging the application, I'm sure they also probably looked up the organization and said, oh, man, they're already doing these things, you know. So so I, all of that is like working uh, in the store's benefit, um, so there, there's a little, you know, there is a little bit of a trade-off, I guess, for my personal needs and the business needs. Um, but like any business owner, I, I want the store to succeed, so I'm willing to kind of sacrifice some of some of my needs to to make sure the store has what it it needs. I mean, that's the the reality of it. Again, uh, I had a very specific idea of like what this would look like, and it doesn't look anything like that <laughs> so I'm, I'm definitely adapting and, and and catching up in a lot of ways to what you know what I guess the the public actually wants from us right and trying to meet that need well I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me today hopefully we'll keep this as painless as possible oh really, yeah no I, problem. I promise no no I didn't say that no to, I, know, I know to stress you out it's you know it's just I I am honest about that it's um again it's not that I don't like talking to people it's just it's it, it's exhausting, you know, so sometimes it's like, all right, now I've talked to one person, I don't want to talk to anybody else. <laughs> one thing that I, I really want to know is what, what has no one asked you in an interview that you would really love to talk about, that you would love to get asked, that might, that maybe just hasn't come up yet in all of these interviews that you've done? I don't know if there's nothing specific that comes to mind, that's perfectly fine. But I was just curious. I'm like, is there anything she wishes someone would ask her? <laughs> no, I mean, Again, I've, I, there have been so many interviews, so many panel discussions, different just different uh, avenues for me to speak about myself, about the store. So not off the top of my head, nothing that I wish someone would ask. Um, though, you know, every once in a while I am like pleasantly surprised when I get a new question or a, or a, f- a fresh angle on, you know, a question that I've answered a, a billion times. And once in a while I will get those where it's like, oh. You know, this was fun answering this because this this is new. I mean, and I don't think anybody's ever really asked me that question before. Like, is there anything that I want to talk about that no one's ever asked me about? Um, so that's cool. Unfortunately, off the top of my head, I can't I can't think of anything. That's perfectly fine. So, like I said, I was going through a lot of, of the past interviews that, that I came across. And, you know, you've told the story about a conversation you had. Uh, with your brother-in-law and sister, uh, where you got really passionate about something that I think had to do with the Marvel movies. It did. You did do your research. Yes. (laughs) And so I'm curious, what was it that you got so passionate about? Because I couldn't find that, and I was curious. Oh, because I can't remember. I just, like, that's missing because I can't remember what I was mad about, but I'm sure it was probably had to do with, like, X2. Because if I'm not mistaken, I, I don't think it had come out. It wasn't that it was still in theaters. It was just on DVD. And I think a friend of mine wanted to watch it and I watched it with her but then I felt bad because I felt like I was ruining it because I was so mad I just kept ranting through the whole thing and then I was like I'm so sorry you should just watch this by yourself 
Um, but and I think I was kind of ranting about that, if I'm not mistaken. Though, though specifically, I I don't remember. I just remember what they said in relation to what I said. Right. Yeah. I mean, as I understand, it was really that passion that you were conveying in that discussion, and that that triggered the comment, I think, by your brother-in-law, that like this is what you're passionate about and right. what you should pursue, and obviously you have, uh, which which is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, I thanks to him and my sister again. Um, I don't think um, if I wouldn't have gotten that, you know, kind of extra nudge, uh, I don't think I would have done that. Uh, just you know, because this is it's hard. It's um, time consuming. It's a money suck. You know, I've never worked so hard and been so poor in my life. Like it's 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 really it's like wow, you know. So it's not. Um, it's not like, oh man, I own my own business, so now I'm like in a office somewhere in a big chair. It's like, no, I'm in here cleaning the bathrooms, I'm mopping the floors. So, um, but it's, but it's mine. It's like I'm working for me. You know, I'm not killing myself for somebody else who, you know, maybe at the end of the day doesn't even really appreciate it. They just, you know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah, I definitely, you know, I was working at that point and not the thing very easy but you know you have like a steady paycheck you can see like oh i can move up in this company i can do that so i think if i didn't have that like uh nudge from my brother-in-law i might have kind of just settled not for something that um not that it was you know working a job as a, a regular job is a bad thing but it wasn't i didn't feel satisfied um but but there's still the comfort of like knowing I'm going to get X amount of dollars on this day, you know, to, to kind of like plan the rest of your life. So there's, there's comfort there um, that even someone who's when they're uh, discontent in, in that situation will stay in it because of, you know, because of that security. Right. Um, so, yeah. So it was my, my brother-in-law and sister that really helped me leave that. And I think, and also a part of it is because I know I have a hundred percent of their support. So at the end of the day, if I lose everything, I won't be homeless because I, I have somewhere to go, you know. So, so again, that, you know, I do have like a little kind of security net there in just kind of being able and willing to take the risk. Yeah, I know that risk war, risk reward equation is, is a difficult one to solve. Yeah, because it's, um, it's not a finite or, you know, equation that's different for everybody. It's like, you know, what what are you willing to give up? What is what what are you flexible on? So it, it would look different for you than it looks for me. Yeah, so it's it is it's it is really like a soul searching on the individual level, like nobody can tell you. Right. Yeah. And I mean as far as, you know, all, all of the work that goes into this, I'm you know, personally, I'm very interested in the, you know, the business side of running a comic book store. What what blows me away about this place is that it's it's two businesses in one, essentially, where you have the comic book shop and the coffee house, and they obviously are integrated. Um, but you are essentially running two stores. Now, right. as I understand, you did have experience as a barista? Um, yeah, I, I worked as a barista for a year. I, so not to make it, I wasn't like managing anything, but I did work as a barista to learn the coffee side like I do have a, um, a business background um, but I I like to understand like the the kind of grassroots of the business so I didn't want to have a coffee shop and not know how to make a latte right um, so so I did do you know did do that research and even like seeing how the the uh, business that I worked at how they ran kind of gave me ideas about how you know I might set up things or how I didn't want to set up things um, to just kind of 
get the ball rolling. But, you know, we're a new business and I am a new business owner. So things are still changing. We're tweaking what we need to. Um, and, you know, we're we're in year two of the business now. So this is my year um, to the best of my ability because uh, I'm still kind of being pulled in a couple different directions. Um, but to the best of my ability, kind of getting us uh, like on track as far as having processes in place, you know, so we, and, you know, uh, assign tasks so we know, okay, this person's responsible for this, this person's responsible for that, so we're not missing things. So we're still like figuring figuring that out. Um, I think one thing um, that has been a challenge for us specifically is because we've gotten so much media um, coverage, people think that we're bigger than we are, like that we're not a small business, like we were very much still a small business, <laughs> um, and and that we are older than we are, so that we, you know, are running like a well-oiled machine, and it's like that's not necessarily true either. We're, I mean, we're we're doing a great job, but right now, I, like I said, we're I still feel like we're keeping up right. in a lot of ways, and and now I'm trying to get us like ahead of the curve, like so that we're not um, kind of frantically trying to meet needs, but we're having things in place to meet those needs when they come so that you know that's that's one way that I guess the media attention has worked against us um, because when we say you know tell people oh we can't do that or we don't do that yet they're like well I don't understand why and it's like well because we're we're only like a little over a year old right <laughs> so. so it was uh December 2015 when you first yeah. opened up yes yeah I would imagine I was thinking about this and I would imagine that would be both a blessing and a curse to get that much attention that early on because on the one hand you know it puts you on the map it gives you a platform to reach all of these people people you know heard about your store but at the same time like with any small business especially a comic book shop you know there's a lot to figure out and a lot right. of challenges that you know all retailers are facing um and so to kind of have to balance that with everything else Again, I, I'm sure it is both a you know blessing and a curse. Yeah, um, yeah. As far as the coffee house aspect, there were a couple of questions I was going to ask, but your signs address them. So coming into this, I was curious if people could bring books uh, into the coffee section and sit down and read. And I see a sign that uh, you know if they haven't purchased them yet, that the book should stay on the on the comic store side. Right. And then I was all you know this is now the uh, the anal collector in me. <laughs> Where I'm like, oh man, like people are coming in with their with their beverages into the comic section, and I see that beverages must remain covered. Yes. Awesome. Um, that's one reason uh, <laughs> we don't have like porcelain cups because uh, people are like, oh, are you going to get cups? And I was like, no. I thought about it because I do like, you know, A, I like reusable things, um, carbon footprint and all that. And I and I do feel it, it may, can make a space feel cozy if they're you, like you have mugs and things. But I also, you know, I see people even sometimes with their covered drinks they're like careless with them around the comic books and, and I'm sure the people who are doing that are not really comic book readers so they're just like whatever um, but uh, yeah I just see the potential for a lot of damage if I, if I allow people to just have like open drinks um, so so you know I think I don't foresee us ever changing that we just have like regular mugs it's like everything is covered um, so that people can browse because you know I understand people want to get a drink and browse and that's fine but I just want to make sure you know we're, we're also keeping uh, our inventory safe you know we're keeping the comic safe you know some things are not uh, as easily replaceable as other things so and you know the collector and me it's like ah can you don't sit that there <laughs> so um, yeah so we we I am mindful of that uh, to, to, to kind of prevent accidents and such. Right. 
As far as the the coffee house side of this, uh, well, a few questions. One, what is your favorite menu item, either drink or uh, baked good? Um, I am. I think I'm partial to the Italian sodas that we oh, do. Okay. Um, I do. I I like milk based drinks, but normally I just make myself like a hot. Uh, not, well, sometimes hot chocolate, but usually just the chocolate milk. I. I'm 34. I still love chocolate milk. Um, but as far as like the thing that when I'm like in the mood for something here, it's usually uh, one of the Italian sodas. Um, and we have different flavors, but I usually do uh, like pineapple. Right. It's my favorite. <laughs> do you find as far as people coming in, is, you know, is there a certain percentage of people who for them, this is just like a coffee shop that happens to sell comics or are most of the people coming in, you know, into comics or like what are you finding uh well it, i think it depends on the day of the week so during the weekday we do function more as a coffee shop um so not that those people aren't buying comics or aren't comic book readers but uh you know people are coming in with their computers they're buying a drink they're sitting down and doing work for a couple hours saturday is our big book day um i was going to say the weekend but e even sunday is a little more chill again people working we have gamers that meet up here on sundays but but saturday is the big book day when people are in here clearing out their pull boxes or you know perusing the, the new release wall things like that so even more so than a wednesday yeah i mean so i mean when we do have our people to come in on the wednesday we have one guy that uh, we open at seven so he's here right at seven so he enjoys the fact that he can get his books before work um yeah. but but yeah even even wednesday is nothing like saturday that's been interesting because again uh even when i was kind of mapping out what our sales patterns would be or what they might be you know I'm, i was looking at you know my local shop other shops that i've gone to the patterns that i saw and so i was thinking wednesday and friday would actually be bigger days uh because new release day and payday um so it's it's interesting because our shop just looks very different, even because uh, Friday is, a, is actually a very quiet day in the shop unless we have an event happening. It's just very chill. And then Saturday is usually like a little uh, uh, frantic. Right, <laughs> so. right. Yeah, I was struck. You, you do open very early most days, 7 a.m. Yeah, so Tuesday through Friday, uh, 7 a.m. And again, just to catch the um, people going to work. Yeah. Um, we are right along... Um, the, the path you would walk to get to the train if you if you commute it that way and and there are a couple bus stops right outside our door so just to kind of catch those people who might want something on their way and you know it's a, before uh, we we recently changed that because before we were opening at eight Tuesday through Saturday and we just had a couple customers mention like oh would you ever think about opening early so we figure hey why not it's just you know it's just an hour and you know especially as uh, more people moving to the neighborhood and know we're here that early morning traffic I think will uh, you know will be well worth it and then Saturday we it's a more chill day so we don't open until 8 and then Sunday <laughs> is our very chill day we don't open until 10 <laughs> yeah you can sleep in on Sunday yes um, well I don't but <laughs> everybody else can I'm still here no later than 7 so yeah, would you mind, because I'm not super familiar with this area, would you mind telling me a little bit about this Kensington neighborhood that we're in and, and why you selected this spot for your store? Yeah, so uh, Kensington is a neighborhood in North Philadelphia. Uh, it is between uh, Port Richmond and Fishtown. I actually, uh, when choosing a location for the store, I looked at a few different places. I was looking at West Philly. I was looking at uh, South Philly and Point Breeze. 
But uh, West Philly, I decided against because at the time there was another comic book shop there that I, given the location I wanted to be in in West Philly, I thought we would be too close. Um, and I didn't want to like intrude on another store's territory. And then Point Breeze, because it's in South Philly, uh, it's not easy to get there through public transportation. You have to get take a bus in addition to whatever train. So I was just thinking as far as like foot traffic or, you know, just kind of people traveling to, to actually get to the store would just kind of be a little a little bit of a hardship. So a friend of mine actually suggested Frankfurt Avenue. And that's why I started looking because I before then I wasn't really familiar with this neighborhood this side of town because I never lived over here never really had a reason to be over here in my research I found out that Frankfurt Avenue is actually an arts corridor and so when you for me when you think about when I think about an arts corridor I think about uh, like classic art things that you know hang on walls and you don't touch them um, but I just thought it would be really awesome to bring um, like graphic art to an arts corridor like art that is meant to be interact it with like you're supposed to touch it you're supposed to hold it you you know you 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 share you you know you open it around you pass it around like that like that kind of thing and I just think that's a different um just a different way to appreciate art uh that the uh you know maybe the mainstream doesn't necessarily think about you know so you know I feel like some people still think of comics as like oh funny books and not realizing like the quality of art that's that's in them so I I just thought like man that would be really cool to kind of bring that to an arts corridor um kind of engaging people that way um so that was kind of the the thing that really made me say okay let's let's do it I also like that it is um you know, it's a neighborhood that's seeing some revitalization, you know, so we're in a place where there's overlap of like newcomers and, um, and you know, I'm a newcomer too. I, I, I live in this neighborhood. I've lived here for the last three years, but I'm still, you know, new. And then, you know, right next to uh, kind of veterans of the neighborhood. Um, and, and so what I'm, I'm really proud of what we've been able to do is to create a space where everybody feels welcome. Um, because I feel like when uh, you go into developing areas and new businesses move in, it's very clear that those businesses are for the new people um, and the people who um, are, you know, uh, vet veteran residents don't feel welcome in their, those spaces and they don't go into those spaces. But um, our store, we've managed to, to build a bridge a little bit because uh, when you come in here, it's all different kinds of people. It's uh, people who've been here so long that they know the original use of the building that we're in. Like, oh, yeah, my dad used to own it. Or, yeah, that used to be the bingo hall. Um, and then the people who, you know, just moved into the house they just built across the street. So so all of those people are here, which I think is um, just really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, and I think it's very forward thinking to, you know, be able to identify an area like this and see the potential for growth and for bringing in something like this. And it's great to hear that you've, you know, had that response from the neighborhood. And kind of on that note, you know, again, I know you've been very, uh, you know, consistent with your your message and your mission of, you know, creating a place that is inclusive for all kinds of people, all races, genders, orientations, a place where people can come and feel welcome and comfortable. I know that you carry books uh, featuring and by uh, people of color uh, to, you know, to appeal to, you know, previously underserved audiences. Um, and so sort of on that note, for people who, you know, again, might not be familiar with what you do, I mean, what would you like to share with listeners about, you know, your mission for the store and the, the types of things that you do? What should people know about Amalgam? Oh, um, so Amalgam is a, is 
an all-inclusive community geek space. Uh, that's my term for it, the term that I've coined for it. Um, and just, uh, you know, as a, as a black woman that enjoys comic books, I understand that uh, the geek community is not always um, one of inclusivity inclusivity you don't always feel welcome you don't go into every store and feel like they want you there um you don't go into every store and see other people that look like you um and and that can be uncomfortable and i think that has been um a hindrance for some people as to why you know they maybe never got into comics because because they oh i like them but um and so i i think um Online comics has helped with that because it gives people a way to read comics without actually engaging anyone. It's like you can, you know, buy them from the safety of your home and read them on your tablet. But I think um, while that's awesome, while that that is awesome, there's also a piece missing because I, I like to share ideas. So I like to read things or watch things or whatever, you know, consume media and then discuss it, like discuss the themes, discuss you know, the the uh, larger worldview of what, what was said in that comic or what was said in that television show. I think there's a lot to unpack, um, you know, when you're, when you're reading um, these books and these stories. And so if you're only reading online and not discussing it with anyone because you don't want to feel uncomfortable, you're missing out on that piece. So, and, and, and I understand all that. So I wanted to make a space where any and everybody can feel welcome. They can, they feel comfortable being who they are completely. They don't have to, you know, hide aspects of their personality because, you know, you know, there are some people who've always liked comics, but the people closest to them don't know that they read comics because they don't want to be made fun of or, or whatever. And, and this is a, a space where you can safely, you know, be who you are. And we act, ask everybody who's in our space to be respectful of everyone else. Um, we, we, you know, we've never had an issue, but um, as far as like people respecting other people, but if we, if we ever did, you know, we would make it clear like what kind of space this is. And if you're not okay with that, then it is not the place for you. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? And yeah, so just, just, just knowing that. Um, and also, you know, I got into comics by way of Storm. Um, but I didn't learn about Storm until I was 11. Like, so up until that point, I'd never seen a black woman superhero. And so meeting her at age 11, like, changed my life. And I think the reason I'm still into comics at 34 is because of Storm. You know, she um, just kind of anchored me to it in a way that no other character could. And, you know, I don't want other little girls to have to wait until they're 11, you know, because... Uh, Little white boys don't have to wait that long because they have, you know, they have the Hulk and they have Spider-Man and Batman and Superman and Thor and Iron Man. They like they have all these people. And when you look like me, you're like, you know, scratching your head trying to put five people together. Um, and so I don't want the next generation of young people to feel that way. You should be able to see yourselves because you you know you matter stories about you matter um and your your voice and voices like yours deserve to be heard so that's why um it's really important for me to to make sure we're um cover like a carrying uh rep like works that are representative of the population like I, I don't like to say I try to get away from saying diversity because diversity to me sounds like a formula it's like okay so all right so we've got 10 white people and 
there's a gay guy who's white and an Asian girl and a black guy. We're good. We're diverse. You know what I mean? That it can turn into a formula as opposed to like, who are the people that when you walk outside your door that you see? Like that's that, you know, that's how, um, you know, that's how a, a book should look. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it should show the people who actually exist in the world. Um, so I, I work really hard to have things that are um, just, you know, again, representative of the larger population so that no matter who you are, if you come in, you can find a book that speaks to you or a character that you can identify with for whatever reason. Um, because I think, you know, I think that's really important. So we've really kind of centered our mission around that. And that came, you know, that evolved as, the, as, um, as I actually actively started to work on my business plan. Because as I said, I, I got the idea in college, but it wasn't until like 10 years later that I actually really started to sit down and, and figure out, okay, well, what, what, if I did this, what would it look like? Um, so in the beginning, I just wanted to open a comic book store. But, um, you know, just as I got older and, you know, just became more aware of things and, and the lack of um, representation for, you know, certain people, I realized that, you know, my store could be a platform to change that. And, and you know, here it's not, um, it's not an afterthought. It's not like a marketing ploy, like, oh, we can make X amount of dollars more if we have books with black people in them. You know, it's it's not an afterthought because that's, you know, I'm a part of that market. You know, I want to come in and see, you know, black and brown people on the shelves, you know. Um, so it's always like at the forefront of, of what we're doing, um, which I think um, is one thing that kind of um, di differentiates us from, you know, some other stores because, because again, because it is so much of our like core focus. One thing that I was curious about for, for other stores out there who um, maybe it's an older white guy behind the counter, what, but who would want to do some of the things that you're doing, like what would be some of the ways for other stores out there to try to emulate this model and, and be more inclusive? Like what are some of the things that they can do? Um, I, th I mean, I think uh, hiring practices, of course. Um, it's, it's definitely beneficial to have different viewpoints working in the store because there are some things you just you can't know because it's not your experience, you know? So, you know, I, I'm, I am, you know, cisgendered, I'm heterosexual, so I don't necessarily, I don't have personal experience with um, like queer culture and what that means. And, 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 and I recognize that. And I'm, so I'm not trying to like overstep my bounds, but, you know, but I have queer people that work here um, and, you know, I have queer friends and family, and so you you know you just kind of keep your ears open, and listen. It's like, oh, oh, well, I heard about this. You should get that. You know, even customers come in and say, oh, well, I did, I heard about this book. You should maybe look into it. And like taking all those things seriously to bring in like what your customers are asking for, or even just cool things that you've heard about through whatever your grapevine is. Um, but I, again, I do think actually having having a, a staff that is, that is again, representative of, of the um, kind of people I guess you, you want to pull into the shop is important because you, no one wants to feel uh, pandered to, you know, so I don't necessarily want to go into a store and buy, come into the store and have, you, you know, a, a crew of, of like white men pushing black comics on me, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Because it would just, it would just be like, wait, what's happening? You know what I right. mean? Yep. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's awkward. Um, so again, so I think, um, 
and not that not that uh, you can't be white and be excited and sell black comics, but it's just again, it's it's the the way you do it. It's so so it's like so if you think that's important to have these black books on the shelves, then it should be equally important to have black people working. Or if it's you find it important to have queer titles on the shelves, you should find it equally important to employ queer people. You know, and and I and I think that you know that means more you know than just like here but we have this book you know? right, right, right. <laughs> um again like willing open um diversify your hiring practices and listen to your customers because again like i don't i know everything that's out there especially like the more independent stuff or the lesser known stuff so when someone suggests something you know, I always write it down and research and see if we can get it, you know, and, and bring those books in because that's what our customers want. Right. No, that's very good advice. And for anyone, you know, who's a retailer or wants to be a retailer and they're, you know, they wanted to know more, I, I think that is fantastic advice. You know, so again, this show is called My Comic Shop History. I usually ask my guests what their comic shop history is. Uh, and I know already a little bit. Uh, I know your routine when you were in college, right, was Fat Jack's yes. comics. And then I know you would take your books and go to the coffee house across the street to read them. Yep, Crimson Moon. <laughs> right. And so, but so what was the Fat Jack's experience like? Oh, I, so that was actually my first comic book shop. Um, before then, I would read uh, a friend's collection, so I never actually went into a store before. Um, but uh, when we all like graduated and went our separate ways, and I ended up here in Philly, you know, I still wanted to read books, but now I didn't have access to them. And so I, why did I know about Fat Jacks? Oh, I think I went to there was like a play that Temple students put on um, uh, while I was in school and I walked past this comic book store and it was closed because it was later in the evening. But I was like, oh my goodness, a comic book store. I was like, maybe I'll come back here. And I think I actually uh, walked past a couple times <laughs> without actually going in, like kind of looking like, do I want to go in? Do I want to go in? Again, for the, those same reasons, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm black, I'm a girl. Um, am I going to, you know, am I going to walk in and everybody's just going to stare at me and, you know, are they going to judge what I'm reading? Because at that time I was still just getting into comic books. Like I, I loved X-Men, the TV show, but I didn't start reading the books until later. So it's like, I'm a new comic book fan. It's like, are they going to judge me if I like pick up Buffy? And then, like, oh, of course you're reading Buffy because you're a girl. <laughs> you know, I had like all these like preconceived notions of what would happen when I went in there. So even, even after I found out about it, it took me a while to actually work up the courage to go in. Um, but when I finally did, I had like a really great experience there. Um, Again, I think I think um, if I would have had a negative one, that might have also kind of deterred you know my interest in comics. But yeah, everybody there is like super great, helpful. So you know, eventually I was like a regular. I had a pull list. You know, even got to the point where if I didn't come for a couple of weeks when I came back, people were like, "Where have you been?" You know, it was kind of thing. So it, it was um, like a great, great experience. I I still love that store. I'm not in Center City. Or that up that way very often, but when I am, I always try to pop in and uh, you know check out what's going on there. Awesome. Just a quick side note: as far as uh, getting into Storm, you mentioned the X Men show. We're talking about the animated series from the nineties. From the nineties, yeah. Okay. The one on Fox. I was more into the Spider Man show, but I watched I watched X Men occasionally. Yeah, I, I watched I watched the Spider Man too. I and I liked it, but again, like uh, for me, X Men is is home base. Gotcha. <laughs> I guess shifting back a little bit to you know the the media side of all of this. Now that you have such a, a larger platform, do you feel 
do you ever feel restricted in any way like when you're posting something on your personal page because you do have so many people watching like is there that with great power comes great responsibility but like that idea of you know you are now a role model for other people and you know you, you might have to watch what you say a little bit more or have you not found that to be the case uh, well I still I still say what I feel like needs to be said um, even the things that you know I guess some people would feel some type of way about but it's like I this this whole exercise for me of wanting to open a store is also a, a way for me to fully express myself and explore who I am and fully understand who I am. Um, you know, when I was a part of like the traditional business world, I always said like I felt like I was in costume all the time, like and I was in cosplay that I didn't want to be in. Um, you know, so I'm you know I'm, <laughs> you have to wear you know sensible shoes and you know, knee-length skirts and pinstripe jacket, like just everything. And again, not that that's, not that that's a bad thing, you know, cause that's my sister, my sister, <laughs> my sister and I are like yin and yang in that, in that regard. And so it's not that it's a bad thing. It just wasn't for me. So I, you know, I have been struggling with that. Like, you know, during my, my quarter life crisis, I've, I've graduated college, I'm working. And then it's like, it is my, professional career going to be me pretending to be somebody that I'm not um, and I don't want to do that um, which is a part of the reason that I was um, I didn't feel content in my professional life so this is this um, allowed this having this store allows me to, to, to be who I am um, so you know my I like colorful hair so I always have colors going on in my hair I'm between hair colors right now <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, so so I just enjoy that. And that was actually one of the big things I said, when I know that the store is absolutely happening, like the store is going to open, the first thing I'm going to do is dye my hair pink. And I did do that. In fact, I dyed it pink and purple. <laughs> so, um, and, and so that was kind of the, the beginning. So for me, I didn't work really hard to be myself to then not be myself. You know, I try, you know, in, in front of, children you know I you maybe like watch my language or something you know like like in, in, a, in a to be respectful but I um you know I don't necessarily think that's changing who you are that's just being respectful of right, the situation because right. I you know I say a lot of things I wouldn't say in front of my nana <laughs> just because I respect nana and it's like nana doesn't want to hear that so I'm not going to say that um but yeah but I feel like I I still um I'm still going to say the things that I feel like need to be said. I'm not going to think, well, now I can't say anything because because it's like, well, what's the point of having this platform if you're not speaking to the things that that speak to you, that you, you find important? It's like if you have people's ear for whatever reason um, and you have something that is really just pressing on your heart to say or, or a view to stand with, um, I think you should do it. You know, I on like my Instagram page, I post things about um you know black lives matter and and just kind of you know the policing of, of black bodies in this country um and you know I, I get you know some comments they're like why do you have to always make it about race but it's like well you know as a, as a black woman that's that's the card i've been dealt so i can't turn my back on that because you don't want to hear it because it's like well it's something that people that look like me are dealing with and so i'm going to say that um, whether you like it or not. Um, so I, I have not had um, 
Yeah, so I, I don't really feel like I've kind of, I guess, tamed down or, <laughs> or censoring myself at the the fear of, you know, scaring people off. Because the thing is, if you know, if you know this store, if you follow the store, nothing that I'm saying personally is off, even off mission from the store. So. I, if you're you're following because you like the store, and I say something about human rights, you shouldn't be getting mad because that's also the the basis of of the what the business is, and we're very open and public about that. So, um, yeah, <laughs> understood. I mean, speaking of who you are and identity, I've heard you say that you don't necessarily think of yourself in terms of you know being the first black female owner of a comic book store on the East Coast because as a black woman, everything you do is as a black woman. Yes. <laughs> As I was going through these articles, virtually everyone, you know, described you again as the first black woman to own a comic book store on the East Coast. Being described or potentially even defined in those terms, is that is that anything that bothers or troubles you at all or is it something that you, you know, have come to terms with? Oh no, I don't mean I don't have I don't have any issues with it. Again, like for me, I don't wake up thinking I'm the first to blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just Ariel, like working very hard to make sure the doors stay open. You know what I mean? But, but I think um, those kind of uh, like that, that like terminology of, of, oh, you're the first to do this. You know, you're this kind of person and you're the first to do that. It's not for me because I'm, I'm doing it. It's, right. it's for other people who, might want to do it you know what i mean I so like that. Yeah. yeah so it's um you know because you you know as a again as a young black uh woman learning about the um the successes and hard work and determination of other black women you know historical figures is inspiring to me so i i just look at it like that it's you know i it's important because i'm inspiring somebody you know, somebody saw me, some, not even necessarily a little girl, but a little girl, little boy, adult, whoever saw me and then decided, well, I'm going to try to do the thing I want to do. You know, it's, it's just kind of like a, a, a stepping stone. So I, I definitely don't, um, I don't have any issues with that. I, you know, I hope if I am an example to, of course, people I've never met to strangers, I guess my biggest thing is to, uh, that I'm also like an inspiration to like my I have a little niece who's um, super geeky um, in a slightly different way. She's like a gamer and, you know, anime nerd. So, you know, but I hope that the fact that I am expressing myself and, and like living in my interests and, and being proud of that, that that's an example for her to not, you know, again, being a young black girl who, who games and, you know, in a right, world right. where things like Gamergate happen, you know what I mean? But that she could be. I'm confident about her interest and, and not let anybody make her feel ashamed or like she doesn't belong. Um, because if she ever did come across that, she would say, well, my aunt owns a comic book store, so you can shut up. Like, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, you know, she can take up whatever space she wants to take up. Um, again, so for that reason, I would never um, like it's not a burden, you know, because I know that um, it's having a, a positive effect Right. on someone somewhere. Something that means something to people out there. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes sense. And I think that's a great perspective to have on, on all of this. You mentioned earlier that, you know, sometimes people assume based on all the attention that you've received that, you know, the store might be in a different position than it's in, but obviously still a relatively, you know, young business. And I assume dealing with a lot of the same issues that other 
comic shop retailers out there are dealing with. I mean, you're, and you have to work with our distributor, our, I say our, like I own my own store, um, but, you know, working with the distributor, dealing with shortages and damages, delinquent customers. I mean, are things like that part of your, your day-to-day routine as well? Um, yeah, I mean, well, delinquent customers, it's more like, come clear your box out. That's, yep, yep. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, it's not. Um, I call them delinquent. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it is. You know, we and and but and most people understand that. It's like, oh, you know, if we give them a call and say, hey, you know, it's been a month. Are you going to come? And they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Yes, you know, I forgot. Um, yeah, and and I mean, there are you know, dealing with the distributor and 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 things like that. Yeah, I mean, those are not fun things necessarily, but it's a part of it. Even if you're doing something you absolutely love, there's going to be some aspect of it you hate, you know, because that's just what it is. Um, so, yeah, those those are um, those are those are I don't want to say hardships, but those are challenges, um, you know, but you, you just meet them, you deal with them, um, because, again, in the, the bigger picture of what it is you're trying to do, that's a very small thing. Right. As we wind down here, as our as our time uh, reaches its end, I do want to touch on you know the future of the store, and you know you you hit on this earlier. So first, congratulations on being awarded this this grant. Oh, thank you. Uh, that's fantastic. I'm really so it's a, excited. Yeah, so it's a fifty thousand dollar grant to renovate the rest of the building and create a programming space to, as I understand it, educate aspiring comic book creators. Yes. That's so it's going to be called Amalgam University. Is that the plan? Uh, well, it it has kind of gotten that name i i don't think i said that <laughs> i think somebody just you know kind of in quote sure. amalgam university uh so we don't have an official name for it yet um the name of our proposal uh when we applied for the grant was up up and away uh up up and away building a programming space at amalgam comics and coffee house so i have not named anything officially as far as like <laughs> what this whole thing will be called uh but Amalgam University is what's being uh, thrown around. Yeah, so this, so what the grant allows us to do is to um, renovate the rooms in the backs and then open, uh, open that up to the public so that uh, we can have classrooms and workshops. Like, we already do classrooms and workshops and meetups, um, but that will give, like, a permanent space for that, that kind of thing and also enable us to have things going on uh, not on the sales floor right now whenever we have any kind of workshop it's happening in the back which we've kind of is open as our event space but it's still technically happening on the sales floor um, so it'll be nice to have like a you know more of a private room gotcha. for certain things like that um, but yeah but then in addition to this room uh, we are uh, going to be working to build curriculum um, to teach um, aspiring comic book creators um, you know I as a uh, as a retailer, um, I get a lot of submissions um, for people who, you know, want to get their books on the shelves, and and you know, not everything is great, um, and, and you know, it's not always, it's not necessarily because the ideas aren't there, but it's you know, the, the writing is clunky, or yeah, the technique might not have been developed properly, right, right, or you know, and and so because it, because it is an, an art form, and so you need to learn how to do it, and I, and, and I understand. Not everybody has those opportunities. Like, you know, money is a, a very real thing. Um, you know, I d- did not grow up with a lot of money. Um, uh, so I understand, like, uh, being, uh, not having access to things because you can't afford to have access to them. So th- what we're trying to do with these programs is, is have, like, uh, 
something that is affordable that people can use to kind of uh, hone their skills. So they so they understand how to storyboard for a comic book. They understand uh, writing, and you know, um, and they understand uh, how to tell a story through illustration. Um, and then even uh, and we want to do these classes for both adults and children. Um, but even so, in my mind, I'm thinking more of the adult side for this, but uh, for people who are, have more of a finished product and they're trying to pitch it to publishers or, you know, how do you, you know, build your resume if you're trying to, you know, get a job at Marvel? How do you, you know, how do you, how do you do that? So to help people, like give people those skills so that they can um, kind of be on equal playing field when it's, you know, when it's time to get jobs or, or get things published. Um, because I, again, sometimes it's just like the polish is lacking. Right. And, and, you know, this is a, a comic books are big business now so you know if you're not on that level you're going to get passed over you know and again not because the ideas aren't there but just because it doesn't have that polish so we want to just kind of help people you know as they're working to to do their thing that's terrific no i mean i can't wait to see you know what uh you know the as to see this as it takes shape uh just uh, more of a business question but for the self-published works that you do carry um, are you buying them outright from the creators, or is it more of a consignment system? Um, it depends. Um, I I prefer to buy it outright because then there's less follow up on from for me paperwork wise. Um, but there there are a few uh, titles that we have in that are on consignment. But even that, I I only allow a few because again we have to keep track of that. Right. Um, and you know our system is not sophisticated enough our computer system where we get notifications so it, it is literally I am have files for every person that we have uh, consignment with and I'm checking it to see what's sold and then okay now I have to cut them into you know so it's so for me it's just easier to write one check and then be, be done with it um yeah so we do a little bit of both but again like I, I prefer to do that outright buying and then also sometimes uh what we are able to do is dictate it by like what's going on with our larger distributor, like what we have coming in because some, you sure. know, sometimes it's money's tied up there. So I don't have the funds to do everything that I'd like to do. But, you know, I think that stuff will come as more people know about the store and support the store and then we'll be able to do more. So, right. yeah. Now as host occasionally I have to play devil's advocate. So, you know, obviously you have the, the coffee house section building up now this educational program as well. Is there any, or do you feel there's any risk or danger of losing sight of just the selling comics of it all or is it you know is it just all you know one enterprise and and you know if, if comics take maybe a little a little bit of a backseat to some of the other things is that okay or is that something you would be concerned about well i know i don't think i mean i think all these things can happen simultaneously i don't think um teaching or helping people to learn how to uh create their own comic books is taken away from selling comic books like it all <laughs> You know, again, for in my in my mind, it's like uh, especially, you know, we we want to um, focus on like underserved communities. So for me, I feel like this is is a great opportunity for the comic book world because um, you say you want diverse stories, then you need to have diverse creator base. Like it can't be, you know, not and not that you can't be different and write about somebody else not that you can't do that but I do think it's problematic where 
if you know we are introducing all of these like diverse characters but they're still being written by white guys you know like only like that you know that's problematic so um i think like this university or well, I, should, I don't want to call it that but uh, this is like this these workshops um would um kind of help to to meet that that need of like genuine voices um that are telling different kinds of stories about different kinds of people um so i think that all is in line with selling comic books um i don't um i don't think anything takes a back seat here because i think people i've had questions where people say well is it more about the coffee is it more about the comics and again what we're selling might vary depending on the day but we are equally a comic book store we're equally a, a, com a coffee shop um, you're an amalgam. You're an amalgam. Yes, it's like we we are doing both, and I think I think you can even with this third piece, it's still kind of in tune with everything else. It's not we're not like now we're making t-shirts. I don't, you know, it's like we're not it's not we're not changing the focus. You know, the 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 comics and the community are still the focus of everything. So I don't think anything is going to take a back seat. It'll, they'll just be this other moving piece, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, listen, Ariel, it's been terrific speaking with you. It's really been a pleasure. I've loved learning more about your store and everything that you're doing here. Uh, is there anything else you would like to share with listeners? Um, yes. Uh, I'll just do our little rundown. Uh, Amalgam Comics and Coffee House is located at 2578 Frankfurt Avenue in the Kensington section of North Philadelphia. We are at the corner of Frankfurt and Huntington, uh, easily accessible by the L. And uh, if you want to know more about Amalgam or support, uh, we you can uh, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, just look for Amalgam Philly. Um, website coming soon <laughs> uh, so that if you are uh, far and abroad you can uh, you know uh, buy things from the shop uh, via our online store so all that's coming and uh, yeah we're working really hard to like meet meet the needs of, um, of our customer base of our, our supporters um, and yeah we appreciate each and every one of you awesome uh, well thank you again for taking the time to do this uh, thank you to all of the listeners for tuning in. Uh, My Comic Shop History will return in two weeks with an all-new episode. Uh, next week, it is a new episode of my other podcast series, Flat Squirrel Tales Beyond My Comic Shop. So be sure to tune in for that. Uh, we'll see you back here in two weeks. And until then, don't be a flat squirrel. Next week's episode of Flat Squirrel Tales features a television club discussion of the CW series Riverdale based on the Archie Comics characters. And coming up on My Comic Shop History, we have our two-part New Jersey episode, featuring Zap Comics, Fat Moose Comics, and Dewey's Comic City. Be sure to subscribe to both Flat Squirrel Tales and My Comic Shop History on Apple Podcasts. Hesitation kills. Don't be a flat squirrel. Flat Squirrel.